All right, welcome back to a serious series of utmost importance, the series. I am a host, and my name is Tom. I'm another host. My name is Neil. All right, Neil. Well, we just wrapped up uh, part one of our exciting two-part episode on uh, black and white cookies. What are, we, what are we calling it? The Oreo feud. The Oreo feud, yeah. Uh, so we Why did we say black... our names like they were fake names? <laughs> it's a pseudonym that we use aren't for all names, Aren't all names fake if you really think about it? What is the name? That's deep. That's yeah. deep. Yeah. Um, we called it the piano feud. Piano feud, right. Black keys and white stripes. I, uh, I titled the first episode Dawn of Ruckus. Oh, wait, is that from the uh, Wu-Tang thing? Um, it's, I want, if I wanted to be cooler, I could say it's a Wu-Tang reference, but, um, it's a Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice reference. (laughs) I gotcha. Okay. It could be a mashup between the two. That would be cool. Ooh, that would be a great episode. Yeah. Zack Snyder's Wu-Tang plan. Yeah. The director's cut. Um. I think we actually touched on a lot of aspects of the feud in the first episode. We did. Yeah, and concluded Jack White. I don't think he's a bad guy, but he's a he's just a he's basically a grouchy old man, even though he's only in his forties. From reading about the early white stripes stuff, he's sort of always been a grouchy old man. Okay, makes sense. I mean, if you're like a I don't know, it kind of goes with his whole you know, musical aesthetic too. He's like a no frills like detroit uh garage band guy doesn't seem like, like you, Eminem. if you met that guy yeah well you wouldn't think he'd be like a teddy bear type guy right yeah he he comes across as prickly and um he's very uh artisty he's like the, yeah. the quintessential guy who cares mostly about his music and not so much about anything else in the world Right, it's all about arguments over principle, even if it's like the smallest, really insignificant thing. Like a similar band's <laughs> sending their daughter to the same school as your daughter. Right. And doesn't he make everyone like wrap up their cell phones in concerts? He does, he does. but actually a lot of people do that um, now. Well, a lot of comedians do that, which yeah. makes sense because you wouldn't want your jokes... To go online but music i don't know okay i i guess it's fair but i just think fits i mean you're only grouchy persona i feel like you're only gonna see older musicians be doing that like the, <clears throat> the people true. who are becoming musicians now who grew up on cell phones and stuff they're gonna be like it's ridiculous to to require people to put their cell phones away right and also like doing research for this episode i saw on like multiple times through the years he like he really hates cell phones like i think he was late to come to get a cell phone and he's gone through phases where he like you know will go off the grid and have no cell phone so i think he's anti-technology yeah he's a luddite he's a luddite that's why he only uses his guitar and and drums for so much of his music um so in terms of his 
this is a this is a mostly white strips episode, but we're gonna touch on some of his other stuff a little bit, mm-hmm. correct? Right. Okay. That's right. So, in terms of the formation of the white stripes, how did the white stripes form? Yeah. So, the white stripes came about um, as part of like a garage revival scene in the mid '90s. Specifically, there was a kind of a small scene in Detroit um, that was already start sort of around when they um, got together. Um, I think they're both from Detroit, and they are yeah. Jack White and Meg White actually got married. Jack, his Meg White is her last name from birth, and he took her last name, which is. Now, I mean, it's like he couldn't, I think his real birth name is like Gillis or something. It's John Gills. John, yeah, like John Gills. Like I would change my name to Jack White too if my name yeah, was John Gills. Exactly. But they got together. They were like, uh, you know, a duo. He, interestingly, he was actually a drummer in a lot of bands in Detroit. Um I don't know if he played guitar before, but obviously, I mean, he switched over to guitar. So I think he, yeah, he started being a drummer. He went to this music school and he worked in this guy's upholstery shop in Detroit. <laughs> and he learned guitar in that upholstery shop, but um, I think he learned that after the drums, you're right. He, uh, right. He, he was the drummer. He auditioned for this band, and uh, this might have come up in your research for the episode, but... He auditioned for this band in 1994, and he got the gig, and that was like his first experience with live music. But do you know the band name? Um, was it Radiohead? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god! Name? It was Goober and the Peas. Oh wow! Okay. So, Je- John Gills was the drummer for Goober and the Peas. Okay, so this is before he was married. Um, I I think so. I'm not actually sure when he got married. Okay, but it was uh, all around that same time. Yeah, it was all it was all sort of like in that mid '90s time that yeah they got married. Jack and Meg met, uh, I think, because they were like in the same neighborhood, and uh-huh. then they started their first uh, musical jam session together. I guess that's what the kids are calling it these days. Uh, they were playing Moon Age Daydream. Oh, David Bowie. Great yeah. song. And then uh, Meg came up with the name for the White Stripes. Right, but do you know what the they almost were called? No. It, it would have been a way, way worse name. It, it would have been the Peppermints, apparently, was what they were originally going to be called. Oh, okay. Because That's a terrible name. It's a terrible name. Apparently, Meg White really likes peppermints. And they... Did, I think she still did kind of have like a little peppermint thing on her drum kit. Um, yeah. Afterwards. Which... Um, but That's insane. It would have... I thought... Jack's house was apparently also painted red and white, but I assume that was after he formed the White Stripes because he just like went all in on this aesthetic, yeah, right? Because he's insane. Yeah, they. I mean, it it kind of works for them. Um, 
Apparently another thing, and I don't, I don't really see this. Maybe you know. Um, the other thing he's really into is like the number three. Um, you know, I think I heard that, but I don't know why. I've never seen it come up in his. I mean, maybe a subtle or something, but like for certain smaller releases of like singles or you know extra stuff he would release like 3,333 copies of something. So he's... he's a, Also, it's weird because they're a two-person band, so it doesn't really make sense. You would think it'd be a three-person band. He often goes by the name Jack White III because of this. Just looking it up. Oh, and he signed his signature as like Roman numeral three. So yeah, that is totally crazy. It makes no sense. Um, he Here's his explanation of the obsession. Okay. <clears throat> The first time it hit me, I was working in an upholstery shop. There was a piece of fabric over part of a couch. The guy I was working for put in three staples. You couldn't have one or two, but three was the minimum way to upholster something. And it seemed things kept revolving around that. Like you only need to have three legs on a table. After two, three meant many. And that was it. You don't have to go any further than that. The three components of songwriting, the three chords of rock and roll or the blues, that always seemed to be the number. Interesting. He, he talks a lot about this, actually. He goes on to talk about the, trin- the, the Trinity and Christianity and stuff. So he, uh... Well, he yeah, was he also very... He grew up in a very Catholic family. Oh, really? And, you know... Yeah, so apparently his, both of his parents worked at the church. And I think he... I had heard this before, and you probably have too, but he, like... He says he easily... Could ha- he thought about becoming a priest and almost went to a seminary and then uh, kind of found music. And I guess, I think in the interview he said, yeah, I wanted to bring my, I knew that if I went to the seminary, they probably wouldn't let me bring the amplifier. So I didn't <laughs> go. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. That makes sense. That's actually a pretty good explanation, but it just doesn't hold up because they only have two people in the band. It seems like a pretty big hole in the whole thing, right? Well, the, I think the reason they have... And he'd probably be really pissed if you told him that. I'm sure he would take it very, uh, you know, very gentlemanly and not emotionally. <laughs> I, he, he felt like he only needed two people to, be, to have a successful band. He was mm-hmm. in this other band, the Goober and the Peas, and like he couldn't have as much creative control as he wanted because there mm-hmm. were like five people in it. And then he was also actually in another band called The Go, and he mm-hmm. left after their debut record because they got signed by uh, this label, and the label wanted to have everyone in the band sign this contract that would have given them ownership over individual stuff that they did. So like, if he had right. signed this uh, contract, he would have lost the rights to all the White Stripes stuff. So he left uh... the band The Go and just, uh, and just did the White Stripes. This is like 99 or something like that. Okay. When he did eventually sign the White Stripes, he signed with uh, he signed this like very unusual contract, and he got to keep all of the masters. So he still has all the masters for the White Stripes stuff. Oh, that's cool. I don't know if Meg has any ownership in the band. It doesn't really seem like it. I mean, I don't know. She it apparently really didn't. Like play. She apparently started playing drums two months before the band started playing. Really? Yeah. I was reading this oral history of the White Stripes um, just a few minutes before we started recording to like have some 
some background on them because I really just know them from the music and you know. Um, but yeah, their first show was '97, two months after Meg had started playing, and right. then when when Jack was asked about the White Stripes, he said, "There's definitely a childishness in it. From Meg's standpoint, the drumming is real primitive, and I really love that." Mm-hmm. I mean, people have always been pretty dismissive of her drumming, right? It's really just like, bump, bump, bump. Yeah, I saw. So I saw them on their last tour in two thousand eight uh, for the Icky Thump album, and she's not the she's not the draw when you go see the White Stripes. No, he's doing all these crazy solos and he's singing at the same time. Even yeah. when she sings, it's pretty bad. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, she does sing <laughs> on a few like, of the songs. She's not good. I think it's uh, yeah. God bless her. She's trying. <laughs> yeah. Should we go into some of their albums, or is there more stuff uh, before from their formation? No, want to touch no. On? Let's jump into it. All um, right. Their first one was in 1999. The White Stripes. It was called. Yeah, self-titled album. What do you uh, think of this? Okay, so I don't think I had ever listened to, like, sat down and listened to the album before you know, this podcast. Um, so I was not expecting to know any songs on it. And I was wrong. Like, I, I forgot about some of these songs. Like, I think I just kind of knew, like, mainly Jimmy the Exploder. That is a, that's a great song. <laughs> yes. Uh, it is really good. Um, this album is way more lo-fi and really garage than I think Very any garage. of their other albums. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty good and it's definitely more blues than I mean it's rock and blues where where you can kind of see like it, actually the the black keys like we talked about before they were way more blues early on and then kind of did a little more rock and experimented a little more but great song what I mean great album what do you what do you think Jimmy the Exploder is a great first song for this album it really sets the tone and i agree with you that it's very garage and lo-fi it's very angry he's an angry guy he's an angry guy i don't know what uh the big three killed my baby is about oh the big three are the big three um car companies like ford gm and oh what chrysler because they're in detroit the father the son and the holy spirit it could be there you go the three again he loves three. Um, That's actually a really good down. song. Yeah, it's a fantastic song. I think the my top few from this album are Jimmy the Exploder, The Big Three Killed My Baby, um, Screwdriver, and St. James Infirmary Blues. And I know St. James Infirmary Blues is not like an original White Stripe song, but it's a really good version of that song. Yeah, they have a few other covers um, that are interesting. Um, Stop Breaking Down is a blues song. I, I actually knew it because um, the Rolling Stones did a version of it on Exile oh. on Main Street, um, which is also really good. But this was a this was a, like a great version too. And then I was, I definitely did not know this, but One More Cup of Coffee, great song. Actually, the Bob Dylan version is probably divides a lot of people. 
very nasally, kind of annoying. Wait, really there's a long. Bob Dylan version of this? That Bob Dylan wrote that song. Oh, that's a cover it's of a Bob song Dylan song. From the album Desire, which is the same one with like Hurricane. Um, what is it with Bob Dylan and people doing better versions of his songs than Bob Dylan does? He All Along the Watchtower by Hendrix. That's true. I think he had a period where he was actually a good singer. But like beyond that period, he was always a good songwriter. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of those. Uh, this is actually a really good version. And they, I mean, it sounds very different. I mean, it's a White Stripes song, pretty much. They, like, made it their own. So I was very excited. I did not I did not know they covered that, which is awesome. Um, looking at the album cover for this, it's uh, just three photos of Meg and Jack White with a peppermint between them. <laughs> yeah. He also looked super, like, I mean, he looked like a little kid, pretty much. Right? He, I mean, he was a little kid. He was in, he was, wasn't he, was he a like, teenager? Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe like 18 or 19. So they were married before this album started. Yeah. Before they made this album. Okay. Yes. And then they got divorced right after this album. I think that's right. And They got divorced and, in 2000. Right. Which is weird that they kept going. Um, but it's awesome. It's also great that they kept going. Like. Okay, um, it's also weird that they kept telling each other they were siblings. Or kept oh, telling the right. public that they were siblings. Right. And I think even when they were married, they said that, right? Like, they were like, oh, we're brother and sister. Even though everyone knew that wasn't the case. Um, Why did they do that? Okay, I read this art, this, like, excerpt from Interview, and I'll tell you what Jack White said. I don't know if I necessarily believe it, but he was like, well, if you have a band and it's like a husband, you know, whatever, they're going out or they're in a relationship, the reaction is, oh, I see. But if you have a reaction or if you have a band that's like a brother and sister, people are like, oh, that's interesting. So I don't know. That's what he said. I think that's kind of a bogus <laughs> explanation, but. I think they just liked messing with people. Yeah. I think probably Jack liked making, messing with people, and then Meg was like, "All right, fine, whatever." And it seems like it could have been one of that one of those things that they started off as a joke, and then it just kept going. And they're like, "Okay, I guess this is, I guess we're running with it." Um. After the White Stripes album '99, and then the divorce '2000, they release their second LP. Which is, um, is that White Blood Cells or is that... No, the style. Oh, okay. That's the, that's the one that when I was learning about distill art in art history, I was like, wait, the White Stripes album. And that's how I kept it. I wanted to ask you, because you know art history. So what is, like, what is, what is this art movement about that they named it all after? I mean, it's Dutch for the style. <laughs> okay and it's like very focused on back to basic stuff just like simple shapes simple colors um, sort of oh. deconstructing things oh kind of like how they deconstruct music in very simple musical I'm, shapes I, and colors <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure that's what he was going for yeah yeah wait how do you um, pronounce it i thought it was de style 
The style, okay. Hey Google, how do you pronounce the second White Stripes album? Sorry, I don't have any information about that. Oh, it's actually pronounced sorry, I don't have any information about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so after the tour began for this album, he closed the upholstery shop. Oh, wow. I didn't know he uh wait, so it was his upholstery shop? Maybe like he had gained ownership of the upholstery shop by this point. I don't oh, know. Oh wow. That's interesting. I wonder if he made his own clothes. Oh, upholstery is for furniture, right? Yeah. Okay. Wonder if he made his own furniture. Maybe. So what are you what are your thoughts on this album? Um looking at the track list, I think Hello Operator is the one that I've listened to the most, and everything else I don't think I have listened to that much. Yeah, this was one I think this is the album I've listened to the least. Um but I did listen through it and it was actually it was really good. I mean it's more kind of garage and blues like the first one but a little bit less raw hello operator definitely agree apple blossom is very is a really good song i think um, i listened to that and you're pretty good looking for a girl is kind of a fun one what a title that's a weird title <laughs> i think it's supposed to be like a little boy or something but oh, okay that was um my impression jack said about this album he said the first album was really angry this lp we changed from anger to bitterness oh nice that's the full range of jack white emotions right there <laughs> the album's first and only single was hello operator which is why i think it's the yeah the well-known song right i'm looking at this article about the album right now and it's the title of this article is 20 years ago, the white stripes made an album for no one. Yeah. Where does, where are the black keys like along this timeline? In, okay. So this, we're 2000? in 2000. Yeah. Were they like doing the same thing? I think they were forming right now. <laughs> okay. They had informed. Yeah. They formed in mid 2001. Oh, okay. That is interesting. So they were pretty far behind. Yeah. Which I think is why Jack White was upset by what he saw as their mimicking his style. Right. I mean, I get it in some ways. They're both kind of blues, and they came around after like the White Stripes have become big. Because of that yeah. style. But it is pretty different. I mean, it's different. Whatever. It's blues, but it's different enough. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the one after this... Was there anything else to say about Distill or Distyle? No. Or, um, sorry, I have no information about that. Whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, that's it, I think. Okay, then... Their next one uh, is is a contender for the best White Stripes album. I agree. I think this is my personal favorite. Uh, this is White Blood Cells, which was released on July 3rd, 2001. 
and I think they actually just released this year their uh, the 20th anniversary oh, version of it. Right. Yeah, this is this is my favorite for sure. I think this is the, this is one of the two CDs that I've owned by them, but it's the only one I bought. Uh, How did you get the other one? I think my mom got it for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I thought you like Mickey stole thumbs. a CD. Oh, no. This was your confession after the statute of limitations had ended. No, no, no. It's like the the le- the complete opposite in terms of coolness of how I got that. Just like how I got my first Radiohead CD. My mom brought it back from the store. Your mom has good taste. <laughs> uh yeah, this this album is amazing. I my my impression listening to it compared to the other two previous ones was that it was a big step up in production value and less lo-fi. But then I read that they recorded the whole thing in four days oh and it was very rushed. And I was like, okay, well, I I don't know. that That's interesting. I mean, they. it seems like it was purpose, purposeful to do that, to kind of capture the energy. Um, but yeah, in any event, like they pretty much did the whole thing in like a couple of weeks. They did work with a, uh, a, a, an engineer, music engineer, mm-hmm. and uh, this guy's name was Stuart Sykes. Mm-hmm. He said, we just set up and they started going. Jack knew what he wanted. Meg didn't really think they should be recording. She thought the songs were too new. Right. I mean, I hate to say it, but she just has, she really has no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> Jack told the engineer not to make it sound too good. So I think he still wanted to maintain some of that uh, that rawness. So it could have been even better? <laughs> <laughs> the, the name of the album, he says, is about this idea of bacteria coming up at us, or just foreign things coming at us, or media, or attention on the band. Okay. So... Are they the white blood cells or they're the red blood cells? I think cells. society is the white blood cells. Oh, okay. So they're, they're bacteria? The <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't think he really knows what he's talking about. I think he's a little outside, out of his depth there. I think I think that's just his, uh, that's just how he talks. Yeah. Constantly out of his depth. Oh, I also but it, was it's a great album title. It is. It is a great album title. I was incorrect about the studio thing. They had previously signed with a smaller label called sympathy for the record industry and then this album uh when it got so big it was exceeded the production uh, ability of that label so they signed with a a bigger name which was v2 records the one where they got to keep the masters okay cool so uh song wise my god this is just like i it's so good i mean i'll say this there's only one song I really don't like. Which one? Can you guess which one? It's it's uh, not that I, I hate it. I just skip it every time because I'm like I know I know what the song is. I'm just. Is it? I can learn. Nope. This protector. No, I actually really like that song. Now Mary. Nope. Also like that. I can't wait. <laughs> no, you're just going backwards. You're getting close though. Aluminum. Yeah. Oh, it's aluminum. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Why? No. Why do you? Why do you hate it's that? It's just the one where he goes. Mah. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. I that <laughs> I'm one. like, I get it. I've, I've absorbed it. I don't need to hear it as I'm going through the rest of these really good songs. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going uh, from the top down now. All right. Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. All-time classic song. Yeah, one of their best songs. Hotel, Hotel Yorba. Yorba. Exact thing. opposite vibe, but still right. an amazing song. Yeah. I'm finding it harder to be a gentleman. It's a good Fell song. Fell in love with a girl. This seems yeah. like a breakup album, now that I'm looking at all the track lists. Yeah, you're right. It definitely... It definitely... It, oh, and you know what? I was reading about this. They... That that's what a lot of people said, but a lot of these songs were written like in 1999, and they had been playing them at con like they'd been playing them at concerts. Um, Dead Leaves on the Dirty Ground, they'd been playing that 1999 and 2000. Uh, so it's not. I mean, I still agree, but <laughs> I like, don't know. You're, he says you're it's not about you're... that. You're recording this song, The Union Forever, with your yeah. ex-wife who you divorced the previous year. Right. That song is about Citizen Kane, though. So oh, you're, okay. you're dead wrong. Um, In fact, they got sued by Warner Brothers. Or It's all... The whole song is quotes from Citizen Kane. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I, I don't think they got sued, but they got... They almost got sued. We're going to be friends. Um, I think I first heard that song in Napoleon Dynamite. Is that the song? Yep. Me too. Yeah. But it's, it's like a, a beginning song. song, right? The intro song, yeah. I think. It's the yeah. perfect song for that movie. It's also just an amazing song. Right. It's so sweet. It's so much sweeter than anything that anything else that they've done. It's like an optimistic song about childhood. Right. Right. And that, like, they'd never, like, they had a lot more quiet songs in this one than everything else was just, like, one speed before. But then immediately after We're Gonna Be Friends, they do this one-two punch of some of their angriest songs, which is Offend in Every Way, and I Think I Smell Oh, love, both are great, amazing songs. They're great. They're so angry, though. Yeah. What is your favorite song on this album? Uh, I mean, if I had to choose a favorite, I think it's Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. Damn it. I feel like I'm, this is such a Sophie's choice. It's hard, right? I mean, it's so hard. They're all so good and they're all so different. Um, so I'm going to go with, we're going to be friends. Uh, it's a good choice. My favorite pound for pound song is Little Room. Like, so short. There's no fat in it. Yeah. Meg White's just really showcasing her amazing drums, like, <laughs> the whole time. We make fun of it, but she did exactly what she needed for this There was band. no other instruments. Yeah. It was just her and Jack White singing. The simplicity of her musical talent is key to the White Stripes' success. It really is. I mean, it, it as, like, much as people like diss her or whatever and we're making fun of her it is a big part of 
Like, yeah, it's like half of the whole thing. Like, yeah, it's a big like, part if of Dave, it. If Dave Grohl was the drummer on the White Stripes, it would have been this, out of control. The White Stripes, yeah, there would have been like, when we're in the little room, and then like some really complex like drum stuff, and then there would Dave Grohl and Jack White would have gotten into fights, constantly, <laughs> yeah, and they would have broken up after White yeah. Blood Cells. That's true. This was the only way it could happen. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it, it all works. It's part of their style. It's supposed to be minimalist and deconstructionalist, like the style. Ah. Um, let me see if I had anything else about this album. This was their international breakthrough album. This is when they got big in like the UK, I think. And so they started right. touring uh, internationally with this. I mean, th- were they? Did they even become big in the U.S. with this? Maybe they did. They were big. They were already big. Um, they okay. had like the Detroit rock scene in yeah. the '90s was where they got big, and when other Detroit musicians like Kid Rock and Eminem got big around that same time, people started paying oh, yeah. a lot more attention to that particular aspect of the Detroit scene. So they got. I, I think this album they probably broke out of like the indie rock world and into like more mainstream success too right that makes sense next Uh, album then mm -hmm. is elephant Elephant. (laughs) uh this is i don't know about you like my favorite two albums are white blood cells and elephant like i think this is when they're at their best yeah, I was just looking at the track list again, and I'm like, God damn. It's amazing. It's also amazing. Yeah. I don't yeah. know anything about the recording or formation of this album, though. Um, I don't know a lot. I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you some subjective things. They, okay. it's, Hit me. it. I feel like in this album. There are a lot more quiet songs. There are a lot of songs that kind of alternate between like quiet parts and then they get really loud. Um, so, for example, I just don't know what to do with myself. It's very it starts very quiet and then it gets really loud with the drums. Seven, even Seven Nation Army, right? That has like up and down. Yes. Um, so I think they did a lot of that. Which is cool. I mean, I don't know. The, the, yeah, God. Seven Nation Army is. I I think this is probably their most famous song. I think it is by far their most famous song. Like, I think people who've never heard of the White Stripes know this song. It's such an iconic riff. Yeah, and it's like played by high school bands <laughs> like everywhere. So, I thought uh, I thought it got really big because it was uh, used in a lot of soccer matches. I think it is, and I don't know why. I should have watched it, but there was a YouTube video. I'll watch it later. It, if you look it up, it's like why did Seven Nation Army become a big sports stadium anthem? I'm looking at americansongwriter.com. Behind the song, The White Stripes, Seven Nation Army. White stumbled upon the riff while warming up his guitar. I played the riff and it sounded interesting. It's so simple. He plugged in an octave pedal and wound his six string down to a low twang. (laughs) 
Wait, I love this. I thought if I ever got asked to write the next James Bond theme, that would be the riff oh, for it. Oh, wow. Well. Wow. Yeah. He was like five years too early. <laughs> he was too early. It was used extensively by sports teams worldwide to rile up fervent fans. Italian football fans adopted it for their 2006 World Cup win. Really? Yeah. Oh, I see that. I'm, okay, I'm looking at this now. It was known as the Po 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 song by Italians. That makes sense. Yeah. Seven Nation Army started out about two specific people I knew in Detroit. It was about gossip, the spreading of lies, and the other person's reaction to it. It came from a frustration of watching my friends do this to each other. In the end, it started to become a metaphor for things I was going through. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you can, I mean, sure, there's probably all that meaning, but man, what a great, what a great riff. Great riff. Amazing song. I mean, yeah, I don't know. How, how do you, it's definitely their most popular song. It's their most well-known song. How do you stack it up with all of their songs you know sometimes when you have a song by a band that has become so absurdly popular you start to like want to listen to it less compared to some of their other stuff but that did not that's not the case for this song this when this song comes on i'm still like wow this is an awesome white stripe song and i still want to listen to it yeah and it immediately like gets your blood pumping yeah like oh yeah i'm gonna punch a wall right now (laughs) They have so many songs like that, though, and That's a lot true. of them are on this album. Yeah. Okay, you know what's interesting? I'm just looking at Wikipedia and friggin' Pitchfork, man. They gave this thing a 6.9 out of 10. What are they? Are you kidding me? Everyone else gave it like a 10 out of 10, and these guys are idiots. Well, maybe uh, maybe Dan Auerbach was writing for Pitchfork at the time. Yeah, maybe. Uh... I'm just going to look up this review. I just want to read the headline. (laughs) What? Church's Chicken. It talks about Church's Chicken. There's some weird stuff in here. In the album or the Pitchfork review? The Pitchfork review. Can I I just read you the first paragraph and I'll try to read fast? Tell me how much... Tell me when you see the connection between what they're talking about here and the white stripes. Okay. All right. Ready? Church's mm-hmm. fried chicken now sits at the crossroads of highway 49 and highway 61 in Clarksdale, Mississippi, like an unaware prefabricated neon mausoleum. While you can no longer barter your soul to Beelzebub for guitar pick and prowess, the man will gladly exchange your eternal being for a place on the fryer and hairnet. Or one may just opt for the sweet biscuit crunchers and some purple pepper sauce for a dollar. The tragicomic irony of a fast food joint squatting on the Valhalla of Delta Blues outtarnishes our collective lore more than the bus stop of Gethsemane and adjoining Mount of Olives Hotel. And when you toss one of those sugary sweet biscuit crunchers or gooey honey butter biscuits into your fat maw, you can let your mind drift to the thinly veiled sexual euphemism of the blues, where biscuit almost certainly means vagina. That's the first paragraph of this review. Why is Pitchfork like this? Who? Why? Oh my god. 
Yeah, they don't even talk about them for the first like two. They don't even mention white stripes for like the first. See, two this or is three what happens when here. you get like <laughs> when you get people who want to write novels, and they can't get a job because they're not actually good writers, and then they get hired by Pitchfork. Right. Here's their takeaway. And this is where they really zing them. The album title refers to the endangered animal's brute power and less honored instinctual memory for dead relatives. <laughs> Essentially, the White Stripes admit to the contradictions in their music, but run through their Hall of Fame like a mad pachyderm. What is this? That guy clearly just looked up the word pachyderm and was like, wow, <laughs> yeah. I gotta throw that in here. Everyone will yeah. think I'm so cool. <laughs> Okay, so Such after a bad Seven Nation take. Army. This is a friggin' amazing album. Um, we also have the benefit of being in 2001. I mean, sorry, 2021, and this is recorded in 2003. It's had like 20 yeah. years to become this iconic uh, yeah. album. But I think it was also pretty well received back then, except for Pitchfork. Mm-hmm. So Seven Nation Army, uh, we talked about. Black Math. Next I think track. it's good. I concur. Um, there's no home for you here. I really like this song a lot. What is Black Math about? Just jumping back. I don't know. I was listening to it today. Does it have to do with like when you're in the black in, like, you know, business and finance? Yeah, let's go with that. Just a guess. Um, there's no home for you here. Yeah, that's a. That's I just a don't know song. what to do with myself. Both also great. great and I didn't know the latter was a cover of like Burt Bacharach. Did you? I just don't know what to do with myself as a Burt Bacharach cover. Yeah. Wow, that's, that blows uh, my mind. Yeah, I had no idea. Okay, in the cold, cold night. It, yeah. In the cold, cold night is uh, the one I think the first one that Meg White sings on. Mm-hmm. It's all right. I mean, it's not great. It's kind of like it feels like an interlude. It feels like not a real song. Yeah, it's like a three-minute-long interlude. <laughs> yeah, which is like longer than most of their songs. Um. um all right. I want to be the boy to warm your mother's heart. It's a good song. I think so. And you got her in bad songs on this album. No. Okay. Skipping ahead. Hardest button to button. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and? One of the best music videos uh, of all time. Fantastic music video. I watched part of it today, and it's, like, impressive. So every... The, the beat, right? Boom, 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 boom. I know you know this. I'm just explaining. But every time they do the beat, it's, like, another drum kit appears right yeah so how how did they facilitate recording that that must have been like a lot of drums it's a lot and they're all it's not like they're they're all the same like peppermint red and black drum yeah which is cool apparently apparently beck shows up somewhere in that music video (laughs) oh really yeah jack white and beck are friends and they've like collaborated a lot beck was actually Ah. on their last the white stripes last release which was an ep after a thump, but he wasn't oh really he played piano or something yeah oh but hardest button to button also uh the simpsons did a version of the (laughs) the music video 
yeah, great version. Um, yeah, I definitely remember that when it came out. I think it was in an episode about um, about Bart learning how to play the drums or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they spoof the video and then run into the white stripes and they try to kick Bart's ass. What is Little Acorns about? The next song. It's, it's the weird. It's one of their weirder your songs. Life falls apart. You see the little squirrels getting ready for hibernation, and you're like, "I can do it too." It is a really weird song. It sounds How like this... um, what's that Eminem song? Where it's like the same thing. It's about like disgruntled guys who who like snap and then like get violent you know what i'm talking about it's got the same like guy who's like you know billy was blah blah blah. i'll find it you'll know what i'm talking about this uh the little acorns intro was recorded by this guy named mort krim Mm mm-hmm That's all I know about it. Who is he? Oh, he's a newscaster. Oh, he was a famous Detroit newscaster. And apparently... He was the inspiration for Will Ferrell's character in Anchorman, Ron Burgundy. Really? Yes. He must be a cool dude, then. Like, the, the demeanor... Right. I never made that connection before because they're just such disparate pieces of media. But yeah, I can see that. The intro to Little Acorns definitely vibes with... uh, Oh, the way he talks? uh, With the way he talks, yeah. Ah, okay. Okay. It's a weird Uh, one. I think once the music gets started, it's actually pretty solid, though. Yeah. I think... Last song I want to mention on this album is Girl, You Have No Faith in Medicine. Ooh. Why do you want to mention it? Get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> also a good song. Oh, is it Guilty Conscious? Is that the song? Um, which one? Oh, the <laughs> Eminem song? I'm still trying oh, to maybe. find out what it is. <laughs> I'll find it. Um, what about it's true that we love one another? That's where they say I love Jack White like a little brother. They're just trolling audiences. Yeah. Okay, the album, uh, that's all I think I had to say about Elephant. Was there anything else you wanted to mention? Um, no, I don't think so. No. Okay. Their next album then is Get Behind Me Satan. Yeah. Coolest name of the... I think it's my favorite album title. Um, yeah, what, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this album. Um, we've definitely seen them peak. Yeah, this is... I, I, I don't listen to this one that much. I listen to like one or two songs on this a lot. Same. Let me guess. Blue Orchid? Yes. And My Doorbell? Yes, those are the only two that I favorite. Yeah, same. 
I didn't really know that many others. Um, I listened to most of it today. It's actually pretty good, but it's not... When you think White Stripes, you most of these songs would not come to mind. It's pretty different no. from their typical style, which I guess was the point. Yeah, but, I think they moved away from that sound on purpose. Right. Yet, the two songs that you just me- that we just mentioned <laughs> are the most, like, White Stripes songs and are definitely the best songs. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't think I have much else to say about this album. What about Blue Wait, Orchid? what is... About the song Blue Orchid? Yeah. What a what a great song. <laughs> I think it's their what most is it about? badass song along with Seven Nation Army. I I think I agree with that. Um let me tell you what this song is about. Mm-hmm. Oh no. I just learned what this song is about. Blue Orchid what? was the name of the website of a group of Russians involved in a worldwide child pornography ring. Wait, what? That can't be true. Yeah, the line, you took a white orchid and turned it blue, indicates that the children are pure and these people abused them. What? Some fans mistakenly believe this song was about Jack White's fight with Von Bondi's lead singer Jason Stolsteimer at a Detroit nightclub. (laughs) White was charged with aggravated assault and had to take anger management classes. (laughs) That makes sense. Uh, let me let me make sure from a different website that this is actually about the Russian ring. I'm just seeing on Wikipedia it says it's about White's longing for classical entertainment industries and the turmoil <laughs> that the newer industries sent him through. These are all okay. such these are way all too complicated. Huh. Uh, I don't believe it. I think it's about a flower. Okay, hang on. The New York Times seems reputable. Let's see what they say the meaning is from their May 29th, 2005 article. Uh, I can't load it. New York Times is having technical difficulties. Oh, great. I'll never know. So I think think we can just say that it is a, uh, you know, it's up to the listener's interpretation. Yeah. Jack White denies that the song is about the ending of his relationship with Renee Zellweger. So apparently Jack know. White was dating Renee <laughs> yeah, Zellweger. Um, their next one, their, I, uh, I think we can move on to their next, <laughs> uh, their next yeah. album, Icky Thump, and, 2007. And album. Yes. One, uh, one of their best albums. I agree, and I think I always... I forget how good it is because kind of like the last I, one you're like eh, yeah. it's, you, I think in retrospect you know it's the last one but um. in retrospect you know it's the last one but also I think just when it came out I listened to this one over and over again um, yeah and every song I think every song has a, has a, a very particular appeal in yeah a they're all way. very different too Icky Thump, obviously the title track. What does it mean? Oh, so I know literally what this means. Okay, so the Icky Thump with an E is, I read, this is from the dictionary. 
an exclamation of surprise or pleasure in North. It, it's what people in Northern England might say. So hmm. Jack White was married to a woman from Northern England, and apparently she used to say that. Ecky Thump. And he, and to further, for like put this forward, they changed it to Icky Thump to be more palatable to a North American audience. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> of course, of course. We're too stupid to get the Ecky Thump, I guess. I um, you don't know what love is. You just do as you're told. Three hundred mile per hour torrential outpour blues. Amazing songs. Conquest. Bone broke. Also how do you amazing. feel about how do you feel about prickly thorn but swiggly worn? I knew you. I knew you were gonna ask that. <laughs> that's a weird song. Uh, that's the one where Jack goes like. Nah. It's like Scottish or something, yeah. right? Or is he? Is he? Is his background Scottish? Gillis could be. Sounds could like. Haggis. Let me type it in. Is Jack White? married to his sister is the thing that google suggests um i'm not sure but okay prickly thorn but sweetly worn regardless of how weird it is i think it's uh still very listenable i think it's yeah more listenable than the non-blue orchid and my doorbell stuff on get behind me satan i agree it's all right it's okay Little Cream Soda, I think, has similar vibes to uh, Little Acorns, yeah. It seems like real, like, uh, kind of like intense, classic white stripe stuff. Rag and Bone. I don't remember. I'll be honest, I don't remember this one as well. It's, it's uh, Jack and Meg talking about um, a bunch of stuff that's that they've either like gotten donated or buying from a store (laughs) so it it has like a lot of little conversational interludes between them oh he says like bring out your junk and we'll give it a home and then uh they're talking about a bunch of different junk that they get oh interesting i definitely don't remember this one for some reason i'm slowly turning into you an angry love song i think yep a Martyr for My Love for You, another angry love song. <laughs> so he was clearly getting over Renee Zellweger here. I mean, it's pretty hard after Bridget Jones' Diary. Can't blame him. And Bridget Jones' Diary, too. The Edge of Reason. <laughs> yeah. uh, Catch Hell Blues. A classic bluesy song. Very Black Keys-esque. Ooh, you're right. They kind of ripped him off there. And then Effect and Cause, track 13, the last track that was officially on an LP. But they did release an EP after this. Okay, that I didn't know. I didn't know there was an EP. Yeah, and that was the one that Beck was like playing piano on. The Conquest EP in uh, 2007. Interesting. So they have a few songs on this. uh, Conquest, which is I think also on the album, right? Yes. And then It's My Fault for Being Famous, Cash Grab Complications on the Matter, and Honey, We Can't Afford to Look This Cheap. This one was notable because it was the first time that they were really like a three-piece because they have a lot of piano. 
and Beck oh, was the third piece. That's cool. Yeah. And then the, the last song on the Conquest EP is Conquest, acoustic mariachi version. Oh, what? Yeah. Doesn't Beck also have like a mariachi version of one of his songs? <laughs> Probably. Since like they that. So then they broke up. Yes. Why did they break up? So what I've heard is they took a break, right? Jack, this is when kind of, this is when Jack White started to branch off and kind of like have other side projects, right? Like the Raconteurs. Yeah, I think he started doing the Raconteurs stuff in around 2005. He, so he, his oh, wow. whole thing is like he has a bunch of different projects going on at the same time. Like Raconteurs released one in 2005, 2008, and then nothing until mm-hmm. last year, this year, I think. Yeah. Um, so... And then he did the Dead Weather with the lead singer from The Kills, and they released two albums, maybe, very sporadically. Yeah, three and then maybe. he does a lot of solo stuff. Right. Um, but I, I think it's just the different bands and uh, and groupings are just different outlets for various versions of the of music that he wants to create. So the White Stripes mm-hmm. were always this simple, very just rock and roll sound. Rack on tours were a little bit more of a full rock group. Mm-hmm. Uh, dead weather is. Um, I don't. I don't know if you, you describe dead, dead weather? weather. I have. Jack, I describe the dead. Uh, so I actually don't think Jack White sings on the the dead weather songs. He does on some of them. Okay, like the a, lead like singer of the Kills. Yeah, Allison Mosshart is uh, the lead singer of the Kills, and she does a lot of the vocals on the dead weather. Um, I think it's just him. Ne- Looking at the arc of his music from the early White Stripes, I feel like this is him reconnecting with the early White Stripes stuff, being so angry. Yeah. It, it's, let's, it's not like metal. It's not, but it's close. Let's yeah. Let's close the book on the White Stripes and then talk about these bands. They're actually pretty... I actually kind of want to talk about these bands. It's kind of interesting. Okay. Um... The last White Stripes thing is Under the Great White Northern Lights. Yeah, have you seen that like movie? Nah, no, I haven't either. Have you? They have a no, I didn't even know about it. it. Yeah, I didn't know that existed, but that's cool. Um, I think they have a studio version of it too. That was like a B side. Uh, it sounds cool. I mean, their last tour, I think or one of their last tours, it was Canada. Mm-hmm. And they went to all parts of Canada, including like Yukon territory. And they, <laughs> some of their concerts were like on a bus at a YMCA at a bowling alley and like places like that in Canada, um, which is cool. And I think that's what the documentary is about. Hmm. So Looking I think it's at only the... like an hour. I might watch it at some point. Looking at the reason that they broke up, apparently it was Meg White's idea because she suffered from anxiety. Yeah. Apparently it was an amicable split. Right. Well, I guess can't last forever. But they, what is that? That's like five albums? She probably wanted to focus on her solo career. (laughs) That's kind of cruel. 
<laughs> if you look at her Wikipedia, there's like nothing. Yeah. Right? I think she's, I mean, she doesn't need to do anything else. Yeah, I guess so. All right. So let's talk about some of these other projects. Okay. Which I guess not, aren't really side projects anymore. Like now they're kind of his main things, right? Yeah, I think his solo stuff is his main thing now. There are, yeah. But again, it sort of just goes back and forth to whatever he feels like doing. Like, the, I thought the tours were done, and then they released I an did album. Too. And then I thought yeah. that weather was done, and I think they came out with something a couple of years ago. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, down the line, he releases more Dead Weather or more tours. That would be I cool. I think he's definitely still producing solo stuff. And I, I, the only thing that would surprise me at this point is if the White Stripes came back together. That would be amazing, but... Uh... I don't know. Have you seen him? Have you ever seen him? I know you saw the last tour, right? The White Stripes? Yeah, so I saw the last White Stripes tour in 2007 or 2008. Was it good? Um, it was great, yeah. Um, then I saw Jack White a few years ago at Coachella. And he uh, played a lot of White Stripes songs. He played a lot of Rack on Tour songs. And I think he ooh. might have played one Dead Weather song. So all you really need is Damn. to see Jack White. And you don't exactly. really need to see any of those other bands. All right, so I'll definitely... I... I don't know why, I I never, honestly, of all of his bands and projects, his solo stuff is the one I've spent the least time listening to. His solo stuff is... I know there's is, some good uh, stuff. If we're, if we're going to briefly touch on the, the non-White Stripe stuff, let me let me give you the, a few of the Raccoon... Do you listen to the Tours a lot? Okay, so Tours, probably haven't listened to them in 10 years, but I went through... <laughs> their first two albums again and i was like oh man i really liked a lot of these songs when i was a lot like of these songs were great 15 yeah right their last album was pretty good too help a stranger um yeah i'll check that out sunday driver is great now that you're gone is really good uh -huh. um on their original albums steady as she goes is like amazing uh, i think that's up there with some of the white stripes classics i agree um that was on their 2006 album, Broken Boy Soldiers, so that has Steady As She Goes. And Yellow Sun is another very White Stripe-sounding song. Right. That's a good one. I wrote down, I liked, I kind of like the song Level. Yeah, um, that's very good, too. Broken Boy Soldier, Intimate Secretary, and Blue Veins. Yeah. Their next album, Consolers of the Lonely in 2008, I think is my favorite Rack on Tours album. Me too. And the songs... I wrote down uh, a lot of songs here. <laughs> I, I really liked a lot of this, these songs. Okay. Of all of the songs on this, there are a lot of really good ones. Consolers of the Lonely, Salute Your Solution, Many Shades of Black, Five on the Five. Yep. But the yep. best song by far is Carolina Drama. Great song. It always kind of depressed me, so I didn't listen to it a lot. Because I was like, I really like this song, but it's pretty intense. It's intense, and it's this weird story, and I really like the storytelling vibe of it. Doesn't, like, the milkman come in at one point? <laughs> yeah, and then I think the kid kills the milkman, and the milkman is secretly his dad. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, Help a Stranger. I was just saying Help a Stranger actually came out in 2019, not, not 2020 like I thought. Okay. I found an interesting thing as I was looking through today. 
Did you ever notice that in all of these three albums, they have a song that's almost the title track, but is not quite? They have Broken Boy Soldier instead of Broken Boy Soldiers. You're right. Yep. Consoler of the Lonely instead of Consolers yep. of the Lonely. Keep going. Oh my Keep God. Going. And then Help Me Stranger instead of Help Us Stranger. Oh! So they go wow. from plural to singular on all of these. I never noticed that. And then Live at Electric Weird. Lady, they have Live in Electric Lady. <laughs> Wait, really? No, no they don't. Oh, damn. Wow, that's very uh, cool. I did not notice that. It's it's a very weird thing, and it doesn't really. I don't know. I really like this. I I think I liked these guys in high school because they seemed more like classic rock than the White Stripes, and I liked classic rock. The band are known as the Saboteurs in the Australian market due to a Queensland band already using the name Rackon Tours. Oh, really? That must be weird yeah. when they go down there. And uh, one of the guys in this band is also in The Dead Weather. Right, the guy with glasses, right? I think so. Long-haired dude. So it seems like Jack White sort of just makes bands based on who he wants to play with. Like, he was friends with Brendan Benson of the Rackon Tours, and they made this band together so that they could play and tour together. Mm-hmm. And then The Dead Weather... The, the formation of this is that when the tours were performing at this one show in Tennessee, Jack White lost his voice and the Kills were playing at the same show. And so he asked Alison Mosshart to fill in on some songs and she sang lead vocals on Steady As She Goes and Salute Your Solution. And then he just liked collaborating with her. That's cool. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, what, what would you, you really like the Dead Weather, right? I think I probably liked the Dead Weather in the phase that, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say you that have, I liked the Dead Weather as much were, anymore. You liked them at one point. I think I more... had, uh, what, I had one of their songs as my, uh, as my ringtone for a little bit in uh, high school and college. Oh, I remember that. It's Which a song cover it? of, uh, Our Friends Electric. It actually wasn't on one of their albums. So. Oh, I didn't know they did a cover of that song. Mm-hmm. It's a good song. Of his, uh, I actually don't know much else about the dead, uh, the dead weather, but I listening to them got me into the kills a little bit, and they have some good songs. Yeah. Wait, how would you describe like this music? It's, it's not metal. Grunge. It's very hard. Yeah, it's like grungy and like mud. Is that a thing? Sure, mud. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess the last element of his uh, canon is his solo stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think he has released three albums at this point. His first one... Oh, but you know what? Before he released any solo albums, he had probably the pinnacle Jack White-associated work. One of the best songs ever recorded... Not just by Jack White, but by any musician. Okay. And that was Another Way to Die, featuring Alicia Keys, the the, the theme song for the James Bond movie, Quantum of Solace. Which was the worst Daniel Craig movie. (laughs) 
by far, right? Yeah. It I'm also it's it's an okay song. It's um it's okay. I mean it's, not... it's it's like Jack White meets James Bond. Yeah. It's cool that he got to do a James Bond theme song. Yeah, it sucks that you had to sh- I mean nothing against Alicia Keys, but both of them that they had to share a song. So I think reading uh, from what I remember when the song came out, I haven't looked at this in a while, but I think that the reason they did that is because they didn't think either one of them had enough commercial viability to do it on their own. Oh, and then plus you get both set subsets of fans and they're yeah, like, oh, very wow. different fan bases. And right. they would be like, oh, Jack White and Alicia Keys. Cool, yeah. Cool. It's much more of a Jack White song than an Alicia Keys song, though. I agree. It's a, it's not a bad song. I mean, for a Bond song, no. it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think James Bond theme songs deserve their own, own whole episode. But uh, it's, Oh, uh, very it's, true. It's pretty good. So he released his solo album after that, Blunderbuss. And it was it's uh, I, I'd say his solo stuff tends a lot more towards uh, trends a lot more towards like country music influence. Really. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's surprising. But then also has like some some rocky stuff. Okay, so maybe not country, maybe more bluesy. Okay. And this, I think, just me not knowing it as well. It seem it seems more like the White Stripes than, I mean, it's it seems like the the biggest natural, you know, successor to the White Stripes. The other yeah. bands were like really different styles. Yeah, yeah. I think this is just like where, but it is different. It is creative. Yeah, it is because he doesn't have sure. that uh, simpl- simpl- uh, not simplicity. Yeah, simplicity. He did that as anchor, the foundation. <laughs> uh, the few singles from this are "Love Interruption," "16 Saltines," "Freedom at 21," and "I'm Shaken." And I, if you look at the album cover for Blunderbuss, he looks like a uh, like a goth kid. And what he really reminds <laughs> me of is in the IT crowd. <laughs> there's this guy uh, who lives in the basement. Yeah, Richmond. Who's yeah? Who's now a host on the Great British Bake Off? That's right. He's a goofball. The second um, studio, the second solo album is Lazaretto. And I think it's better than Blunderbuss. No, I'm sorry. I think Blunderbuss is better than Lazaretto, definitely. Um, but Lazaretto as a song is a really, really good song. Right. And then his third album is called Boarding House Reach. And this is the one I've listened to the least. Yeah, I actually didn't even... I, f- I feel like the first two were pretty, like, widely acclaimed. Yeah. And I just didn't hear as much about this one. I think I might have listened to it once, um, and it just didn't grab me. I, I, I should definitely give it another shot, just because of how yeah. much I like all of his other stuff, but I just don't think this is going to be one of his classics for me. Right. I think, hmm. then, that brings us to the end of Jack White, The White Stripes, and Jack White Associated Works. Mm-hmm. Thus concluding the piano feud. Right. So who came out on top? That's yeah. That's the question. Who is who won the piano feud and who is the better band? Let's for for the purposes of this question. That? Yes, for the purposes of this <laughs> question, let's limit it to the Black Keys and the White Stripes, not any of their solo okay, okay. or that's offshoots. Fair. 
Who goes first? You. <laughs> I can go first if you want. I have an answer. <laughs> okay. I want to hear your answer. Um, who won the feud? It's the Black Keys, because they came uh-huh. out looking better, and they were right. not as petty as Jack White. Right. Who is the better band? The White Stripes. Hmm. As much as I want to, like, disagree and just have a different answer, I think I'm going to agree completely. Black Keys came out ahead. They took the high road, and they're still together as a band. Yeah. Um, And still making music. Uh, And as much as, like, I wanted to, like... I don't know. I agree. I think the, the White Stripe stuff is just... Especially those middle albums. So damn good. Like, every song's yeah. good. So, yeah, they're the better band. Follow-up question. Just to, for this episode, I guess, specifically. Mm-hmm. Which two White Stripe songs, or for this one we can broaden it to Jack White-associated songs, combined, would make the best song? <sighs> this is hard. Uh Wow. Really if you combine them, doesn't it kind of ruin the simplicity? <laughs> Alright, fine, I'll just pick two. Alright, I'm gonna go blue orchid and um and we're going to be friends. That's a good answer. It would I'm come out go, blended into a very terrible song. I'm going to go Little Acorns and Seven Nation oh. Army. Whoa. Seven Nation Army just of have, Little Acorns. Just have that guy deliver like a large monologue during a soccer match. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's reciting along with the monologue and pumping up their tea. All the Italians. Yeah. Little acorns. Uh, <laughs> Disney's the little acorns. <laughs> I think that's everything about the the White Stripes and the Piano Feud and Jack White's works that I wanted to hit on today. Is there anything else, yeah. Tom? No, nothing else. I think what what would be the the pedals of a piano if if we got the black keys and the white keys what are the pedals here i'm gonna say beck and eminem for uh oh. for shooting the detroit music scene into right. the limelight in the 90s it's a good answer i like it what would you say <laughs> uh the pedals i would say jet and uh, what's another bad band from that time? Oh, I thought Jet <laughs> the Paul McCartney song. I was like, wow, what a very specific oh, great song. No, the Australian band. Oh, wait, sorry. That reminds me of one thing. Uh, the Raconteurs um, sound like the Beatles. They have a very Beatles-esque sound. What... What about it? If you listen to... 
I wish you hadn't asked me to follow because I don't know exactly what it is about them. But when I listen to the tours, I think this sounds like a band. And what band is it? And I think the Beatles. Well, I can definitely pick some similar... Like, they have different vocalists on different mm-hmm. songs. And sometimes on the same song. You know, a couple of guys singing. Yeah. It is more old school. If you listen to Steady As She Goes and, like, um, I don't know, pick a Beatles song, they, they just have similar vibes. Yeah. All right, I'm going to... I'm having gone through these guys and, like, listened to, like, a few seconds of each song and being like, I love... I forgot how much these guys are awesome. I'm going to listen through their first two albums again, even their third one, and I'm going to listen for the Beatles. Let me know what you think. All right. All right. I think that's everything then. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll listen to you next time.